Thank you for listening to the podcasts from Life Central Church. For more information or to visit one of our locations, go to lifecentralchurch.org.uk. Hi, my name's Laura, for those of us that haven't met, uh, and I am continuing today in our summer school series. Um, the, the tagline of what we're talk, talking about and looking at at the moment is lessons to make sense of life. And for those of you who haven't been around for this series, you'll be delighted that we're back at school, complete with learning objectives, with blackboards, that's not even a thing anymore, and homework, yes! Uh, so you'll all be want, like delighted you're here on this rainy Sunday morning. Um, I wanted to, before we get into the content today, I wanted to give you a bit of an idea of how these series get put together. So often what happens is someone will be kind of leading the process, often Leon or Andy, and they'll go, okay, guys, uh, we have a little teaching team, uh, kind of WhatsApp and, uh, or emails are sent around. This is what we're looking at this term. Um, here's the weeks that people are speaking, uh, and here's a suggestion, here's the theme, here's a suggestion of some things that you could talk about. If you've got something that you'd like to talk about, let us know, but if you can't think of anything, here's some ideas, have a pray, have a think. And then it's essentially a free-for-all. Uh, and people just kind of first come, first serve basis, whip back emails, messages, and, and say, okay, I think I'll speak on this. This time round for this series, the list came through, and I looked at the list, and looked, and I was like, man, well... There's one thing on this list that I definitely don't want to speak on, and that's pretty much all I know. Uh, I don't really enjoy it when people speak on this often, and uh, quite frankly, I'm not in the mood. So I'm going to just have a look at the list, and I'll have a little think and a pray, and I sat on it for a few weeks and um, thought of some ideas around some certain topics, and nothing would come together. And then I sat waiting for something, and I just suddenly felt God challenge me that the one thing I didn't really want to speak on was the thing that I should, in fact, be speaking on. And so today, friends, locations, Hells Owen online, we are talking about joy. Uh, And it's going to be wonderful. It really, really is. So uh, the title for today is How to Get Your Joy Back. And our learning objective, I think I'm the shortest person that's done this so far, so this is going to be fun. There we go. I was told earlier, whatever you do, don't jump when you take the thing off, because the whole thing will fall over. There we go. Our learning objective today is this, understanding the nature of joy and how to cultivate it. Um, you know, it's, it's thought that some people are naturally more predisposed to feeling joy than other people. It's kind of a bit more in their nature. Maybe they're slightly more optimistic. I would say I probably am one of these kind of people. I, I find it very easy to get excited about almost anything. But what I would also say, and I, I wouldn't tell anybody else with this brush, but if, for me, as that kind of person, I also find when there's nothing to be excited about and things are tough, I crash pretty hard, pretty quick. Um, and, and as we talk today, I guess um, what, one of the things that I wanted to talk about is, is not only experiencing joy, but not escaping a sense of sadness or difficulty in order to experience happiness. Because um, I think that is what can happen. If you're someone who you find it easy to, to access joy, when things go bad, I kind of put, put my, I'll talk about this a little bit later, my sadness over here and have a really happy time over here trying to escape the sadness. And there was a real difference between happiness and sadness. And, and many of us know that, but I just wanted to to start in this place. Uh, in the, Brené Brown does an amazing job of talking about the difference between joy and happiness. She describes joy as an intense feeling of deep spiritual connection, pleasure, and appreciation. Whereas happiness is a feeling of pleasure often related to the immediate environment or current circumstance. 
deep. Um, but for the process of today, I've actually come up with my own definition of joy. Uh, and I'm going with this. An ongoing feeling of awe in what is and hope in what will be, regardless of our circumstance. Um, and I have to be honest, I guess, part of the reason that I di- didn't feel elated in speaking about joy today is that I would say in the last season, and I use this word season quite deliberately because I'm not quite sure how long it has been, I think joy has been a bit of a challenge to access for me. Uh, things haven't always been easy. There's not been lots I've found easy to get excited about. And so this is something that I've really had to plug into as a discipline. It's been the discipline of joy for me. And I remember actually, uh, maybe a month or so back, uh, there's a song that we sing, uh, The Joy of the Lord is in this place. There's a, that's one of the songs that we sing. And I remember, I think we had it as our opening song one week, and I was stood down here singing, uh, The Joy of the Lord is in this place, just hands in the air and crying through the song. And then there's a line in the song where it says, and surely God is in this place. And I think the idea when you sing it is it's like, surely, look at the wonder God God is in this place, and I was more like, surely God is, he seems to be everywhere else, surely he's here as well. And so I guess that's the place a little bit that I'm I'm speaking from today. Um, But what I love about the Bible is it gets this, it gets this beautiful tension in life that, that Jesus gives us this gift of joy, but often life can feel like, it can feel a real challenge to muster joy up in some ways. Uh, In Proverbs 17.22, 17.22, it says, A joyful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit dries up the bones. And I think it's totally possible to have the gift of joy, but also feel this wrestling of dry bones and a broken spirit. And I think there will be people in the room today feeling the reality of those two things. This gift of joy and um, for those of you who are followers of Jesus, knowing that God is good, but equally at the same time, knowing that your circumstance is difficult and it feels a struggle to, to, to kind of be trying to live with a sense of dry bones and difficulty whilst accessing this, this sense of joy. And it's really easy to lose our joy in the world that we live in. In fact, I, I read something that talked about our world at the moment being predisposed to robbing us of joy. Uh, and it made sense to me. We live in a world where our news is, is designed to fill us with fear, where our economy is based on the concept of making us feel dissatisfied, uh, where teenagers spend an average of nine hours a day on a screen. Um, and we can say, oh, teenagers, but actually I'm probably I'm, I'm worse than most teenagers. Uh, we don't spend as much time with people. We're rushing, we're busy, we're anxious, we're stressed. And yet we're searching for this feeling of joy. And so how do we live and exist and search for and cultivate this feeling of joy in a world that is predisposed to robbing us of joy? And for those of you who have been around church for a while, you might, or even if you haven't, you might heard Christians talk about, um, well, you know, we can experience joy now because one day if you follow Jesus, you'll die and be in heaven with Jesus. And that's great. That's really great, but I don't really want to be holding out for that in order to feel good now. When I read about joy in the Bible, I I read about experiencing joy in our present circumstance, no matter what our circumstance is. In fact, there's a quote that I love from a guy um, called Georgian Banoff, but it's not his original quote, but he talks about it, and he says, if you're not free from sin until death, then Jesus isn't your saviour, death is. And I think how true can that be of joy as well? If you're not able to experience joy until death, then Jesus isn't your saviour. Death is. 
And so how do we do this? I, I don't know if you've uh, seen the film Inside Out. And it's quite old now, but I, I've watched it a couple of times, and I remember the first time I watched it. The premise is that it's uh, operating, the scene set basically operating in someone's head, and it's all these core emotions interacting with each other. And you have a problem as a situation, and joy takes charge uh, as one of the emotions. And um, <laughs> she starts to deal with the problem, and she takes sadness to one side. And we, we saw this the first time, Andy and I, and we just looked at each other and laughed, because it... it Genuinely is a coping mechanism I use. And she drew a circle on the floor and said, right, sadness, you stand in that circle there and you're in charge of everything in that circle. Just don't leave it. And then joy just got on elsewhere. Uh, and so often I think what, what I've realised I've done as an adult is I go, okay, there's this really difficult circumstance here. There's this thing that I'm finding challenging. There's this dream that I have that I'm desperate to see come to fruition that I don't see any movement in. But if I can just leave that there to sort itself out and go and have a really nice time over here, then maybe by the time I get back to the circle, this circumstance will have changed. And I think what I've realised as I've got older is that if this joy thing is real, this gift of joy that Jesus promises to give us is real, then it should be big enough and brave enough and strong enough to, I call them the sad sheep, to let the sad sheep out of the circle come and have a graze over here and be able to sit with the sad sheep and bring joy into those situations. It shouldn't be that I shove the sad sheep in my pen and crack on with everything else. And I have to say, in a moment, we're going to look at some really practical tools that I found super helpful in cultivating joy and choosing joy. And if you're here today, either in the room or in a location or watching online, and you're not a follower of Jesus, then these are great tools that you can use to cultivate joy. Like These are really useful things. But the source of joy is Jesus. And so whilst I'm going to give you some really practical tools, actually, if you don't know Jesus for yourself, then I'd really encourage you to begin processing this morning if you are open to having an encounter of Jesus because it's him that's going to give you the kind of joy that is going to be long-lasting. Brené Brown has another great thing about joy, and it's this. Joy stems from a feeling of deep connection and appreciation and has a spiritual aspect a sense of experiencing or sensing something greater or more powerful than ourselves. Joy can occur in response to a person, an environment, or an experience. There's something spiritual about the gift, experience, emotion of joy. And so because we can encounter it through a person or an experience, I would like to suggest this morning that wherever you are, you are at, we can get our joy back. We can learn to cultivate joy and joy to actually be a discipline no matter what we're going through. And that's true whether you're a follower of Jesus or not. But as a follower of Jesus, the kind of joy that really makes the difference, regardless of our circumstance, is born out of a relationship with knowing a God that loves us. So... I'm going to talk to you about my two tools that I found super helpful in cultivating joy. The first of those is experiencing awe. Now, this is one of my favourite uh, emotions to experience, awe and wonder. I just love it. And the, uh, the definition that I've got for awe today is this. Joy in the amazement of what 
is. Um, and again, if, uh, if, if you think about this idea of awe and experiencing amazement in what is, there are, there are a couple of components that you need to experience awe. There are two things that need to go together. There's a brilliant book uh, called Awestruck, which I think is going to go out as a recommendation on socials to read. So if you don't follow our socials, do that. But this uh, is an explanation uh, by Jonah Packett in this book. It says, it's a vastness coupled with the need to accommodate the new experience, and that is all. Experiencing something vast, something bigger than ourselves, and not only experiencing it, but having the need to place ourselves in it. And for me, this works uh, in a whole load of different ways. Uh, we can experience awe in, in lots of different places. I, I've experienced awe very easily when I'm in nature. Uh, when I may be out for a walk, just a normal walk, as long as I take the time to stop and be slow and notice and see colours, see textures, smell stuff, hear stuff, I can experience awe. Equally, I experience awe looking over views on hills or mountains or when you look out at the sea or see something incredible in nature. But nature's not the only place you can experience awe. You can see awe in, in theatre for people who appreciate art. I'm not one of those. But I've heard that you can experience awe looking at art. I don't really understand. Um, but also, I, I find that I experience awe when I encounter new cultures, cultures that are totally different from my own. I begin to get this sense of the vastness of humanity and it blows my mind. Uh, you can experience awe in architecture. We had the huge privilege of going to Dubai a few years back, you know, the days before COVID. And uh, looking at some of the buildings there, it absolutely blew my mind. Um, you experience awe in science and in maths. I, I read a very basic book, I assure you, on quantum physics. And um, it was <laughs> pretty much a dot to dot. Um, but it talks about there in like quarks and the nature of quarks and what they can do and this craziness. And I read it and it blew my mind apart. I had this feeling of awe, and in this vastness, in this hugeness of our creation and the God that made it, I could place myself in it and find my place, sense my smallness, and know that no matter what I was facing, it was going to be okay. And experiencing awe is very different for different people. Um, for me, I've experienced awe uh, when I walk around. If any of you guys have been to London and looked at the Tower of London, I experience awe looking at the Tower of London. Or I go to Hampton Court Palace where Henry VIII did a lot of his stuff and I stand in the Great Hall and look around and I experience awe at the history that was changed in that room, the conversations that were had, the relationships that were forged. I go to Stonehenge and look around. And I'm blown away by these incredible stones that were moved there for this purpose. And we now, with all that we have, still don't fully understand, but it's this incredible, spiritual, connected experience. But for Andy, he would rather I wax his legs than take him to Hampton Court. And yesterday we were talking about Stonehenge, and I had to stop him in conversation before he referred to them as a pile of stones. And so... What you experience and brings all to you will be very different to somebody else. Um, but what I would say is find the place where you experience all and spend some time there. Because as we do that, we find our place. We find our place in the vastness. We access something spiritual and know that there is something greater than ourselves that we're a part of. You know, uh, I think as a parent, I try to, <laughs> try to think as a parent, um, what are the phrases and sentences that I say most to my kids? 
What's the sentence that they hear most commonly from me? And um, unfortunately, if I'm very honest, it, it is some variation of, okay, guys, hurry up, come on, quicker, quicker, quick, we're going to be late, we're going to be late, okay, can we just walk quicker? Right, can you get your shoes on quicker? Guys, we've been eating for 40 minutes, can we please just eat? Come on, guys, we need to walk the dog, just keep going, tell you what, everyone go in front of me, everyone walk, and I'm pushing them from behind, it's not a walk, it's just a, a push, um, but I do wonder if my kids get something that I don't. Because we only experience awe. We only really see the world around us and get to experience its vastness when we take the time to slow and look and notice. And what my kids will be doing is looking at bugs or leaves or pulling something out of a hedge or getting into a hedge. And it drives me crazy. But I do wonder if they get something I don't. And if I was a little more like them, I would find awe and joy so much easier to access if I stopped and noticed and felt small in my place in this world, but yet created, um, connected with the God who created it. So my first tool is experiencing awe. The second tool, if awe is joy in what is, the second tool is hope. And we've defined hope as this, joy in what will be. Now this is a, a challenge, I think, when you're facing a difficult circumstance and you don't know what's the other side of it. Uh, but again, I, I love this proverb because I feel like this proverb gets it. In, in Proverbs 17:22, a joyful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit dries up the bones. You can almost feel the loss of hope. If you've ever had to actively make the decision to, once you've gotten up to not get back into bed in the morning, <laughs> then I think you will probably resonate with this proverb. Bill Johnson uh, talks about hope like this. Hope gives us permission for the benefits of an answered prayer or breakthrough before it happens. And that's a really privileged position to be in. Because when we talk about hope and we talk about joy, I think what I've done is made the mistake of hoping that my circumstance will change. And my hope is that things will turn out different to how they are. And actually, I'm not sure that that's what hope's about. As a follower of Jesus, and I'm aware that not everyone will be, but my hope isn't in my circumstance changing. My hope isn't in the outcome that I would prefer. My hope is in the character of God. And that whilst my circumstance might not change, that the, hope, that the character of God will eventually come through. And if you're watching this, and, or, or you're in the room, and you're not a follower of Jesus, then the biggest question and most important question for you to ask is, who is God? What is the character of God like? And is this a God that I would trust and want to be in relationship with? You know, I've, um, I talked about my sad circle and my sad sheep in, in their sad sheep pen. And I think so often I thought, Do you know what, I'll revisit the pen when the circumstance changes. When things miraculously work out, then I'll dive back into the sad sheep. But my hope and my joy should be big enough to let those sad sheep out to graze and to sit with them and go, even as things are, even if this doesn't change, I trust God's character enough to know that somehow he will come through in a way that loves me, in a way that loves other people, even if it isn't the answer that I would have designed. The thing that I don't like about hope is that hope involves waiting. And two things I'm very bad at are waiting and patience. 
They are not my gift. <laughs> I do not like them. But even when we talk about waiting with God, it's not just hanging around. It's not just hoping, leaving these sheep over here and coming back and hoping that later on it will get better. Waiting isn't about that. Um, waiting, in fact, uh, is, is much more about this. You position yourself for a refining moment, for a God purpose. Waiting on the Lord means lying in wait. This active waiting and watching for what God is going to do. For a little while, um, God spoke to me about herons and spoke to me through herons. And uh, I love herons. And I, I, you sit and you watch them. And they are still and they are patient and they wait. But what they're waiting for is the moment to strike. Believing and knowing that something will come along that they're going to dive into that water for. But until that moment, they don't move because they know eventually something will happen. In Romans 12, 12, it says this. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. Again, patience is not my forte, but it's not a passive patience. It's not a passive waiting. In fact, the definition of patience in, in this passage in Romans is this, and I love this. This feels like grit and courage. Independent, unyielding, defiant perseverance in the face of aggressive misfortune, and thus to a kind of courageousness. In my circumstances, this kind of patience I feel much easier, find much easier to access. And we don't use hope in order to escape our circumstance. We don't use hope in order to be passive and not do anything about it, but it is an active trust in the character and person of God, even if our circumstance doesn't change. And the reason that I can do that, the reason is that I know that I can do this, is because of what God has already done for me. In the person of Jesus, at the beginning of time, he started pursuing you. Throughout the pages of history, his pursuit of you is written throughout the Bible. And if you've never read the Bible, I'd really encourage you to get someone to sit down with you and to do that. Because all through this book is his active pursuit of you, of relationship with you, of love and loving you, of caring for you. And that God is not a God who is going to step away now and let you fall. Because of what God has already done, I can have hope in what God will do. Uh, every week, we've been giving homework. And my favourite, I didn't really like homework ever. Well, actually, if the teachers thought I did well, I really enjoyed homework. But I, I was that kind of student. But my favourite kind of homework that I got was when they gave you a choice. Okay, everybody, this week you can either do this or this. And I somehow felt a little liberated in what I had to do. And so I thought I'd give you a choice in your homework this week. Uh, you can choose. Uh, either I'd really encourage you to press into an experience of awe or press into an experience of hope. Engage with something this week that will stimulate awe in you, that will help you to experience vastness. Maybe uh, go on a walk and stop and do it slow and notice. Go and stand somewhere you can see something vast. Go and look at some incredible buildings. Uh, if the clouds clear up, there's supposed to be an amazing meteor shower tonight. So uh, if the clouds clear up, then maybe get in your gardens and have a look at that. Do something that induces awe so that you can find your place in the vastness. My other bit of homework that I would suggest, if you don't want to do that one, is do one thing this week that is a courageous act in your situation. Something that is an active waiting or an unyielding perseverance in the face of difficulty. One thing that demonstrates a belief that even if our situation doesn't change in the way that you hope, that God will come through. Find one thing that you can do that will demonstrate that. You know, I believe that joy is possible because God isn't done yet. 
wherever you're at, whatever your circumstances that you're facing, in the middle of illness, in the middle of family chaos, in the middle of a dream that you are desperate to see fulfilled, but you do not know how that's going to happen, I don't believe that God is done yet in your situation. And so we can have awe and we can have hope and we can cultivate joy. And the incredible thing about joy is that we can cultivate it, but it's a gift. In the Bible, Jesus says that as we get closer to Him, He will grow stuff in us, gifts. And one of these gifts and fruits that He grows in us is the gift and fruit of joy. Regardless of our situation, regardless of our circumstance, God, Jesus can grow this in us. And I can feel joy because the cross isn't just something that God did. It is the cross. The cross is something that God is doing again and again every day. It isn't a moment that took place in history, but it's something that happens every day. It brings hope to our world. It changes things around us and it changes you if you will let it. And so I can engage with all because that helps me to remember what is. And I can engage with hope because it reminds me and helps me to act in a way that shows that God is faithful. He will come through. And every day, because of the cross, He is doing a new thing and He is not done yet in whatever it is you're facing. If you're able, would you stand to your feet for me? In a second, we're going to go into a time of communion. Uh, If you've not done that before uh, in your locations as well, You'll approach a table in, in Hells Owen. There are some tables here and there are some, I think, at the back. Um, and as you come up, you'll be given a little bit of bread and a little bit of juice. And the idea is that everybody is welcome to take part in this, but it's kind of a, an act of reflection. And as we reflect, maybe you could say and ask Jesus, is there anywhere where I've lost joy? Is there an area of my life where there just is no joy anymore. It could be in a marriage. It could be in your dreams. It could just be that your whole person feels the weight of this dry bones. And we're going to spend some time taking communion. And once that's finished, I'm going to give an opportunity, whether you know Jesus or not, to be prayed for, for the fruit of joy to be more evident for you that Jesus would help you to feel a sense of joy regardless of your circumstance and situation. And the way that we'll do that is I'll ask people to pop their hands in the air and a few people around you, they, they won't ask you any questions, but we'll just stand alongside you and pray for you. But first of all, we're going to go into a time of communion. Coming back to the cross... Because the reason that we can experience or the reason we have hope, the reason that we can have the fruit of joy inside of us is because of what God has already done and what He continues to do every day. That He is not done with you yet. He is not done with your situation yet. And regardless of your circumstance and how it ends, God's character will come through. Jesus, I thank You that You love us enough to give Your life for us. I thank you, God, that in every circumstance that is in this room, you see it, you know it, you feel the pain in it or the delight in it, and that you promise us that we will never be alone in any circumstance that we have. 
God, I thank you whatever we have walked into this room with today, the dreams and hopes, the family situations, the work situations, financial situations. God, you are not done yet. And your cross continues to work and your gospel continues to work in the situations that we face. Amen.